it's high noon, it's a Wednesday, it's time for the AltaCast here on MutinyRadio.fm. Getting a little bit started differently today, sorry about that yogi, uh, Yoda-ian grammar on that one. Uh, Welcome to the AltaCast. I'm actually taking the beginning of the podcast to record some pitch ideas for a storytelling show called Body Storytelling, and it's been around, I think, for eight or nine years here in the city. It used to be run at, uh, my buddy lived at this place called the Jellyfish Gallery, and they used to do some body storytelling there, but now it's gotten so big, it's all over San Francisco, and it's amazing. So they were asking for pitch ideas to be in uh, an upcoming show uh, for SF Sketchfest at the Punchline, and I said to myself, Pam Benjamin, I am going to record something. Uh, and also, uh, Kill Two Birds with One Stone. This is also the AltaCast here on MutinyRadio.fm. All right, two body storytelling pitch ideas. Number one, I think it's a little too edgy. Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth, knows this story. I've told it before. It's, it's relatively edgy. It's about the biggest dick I, I've ever seen in my entire life. The biggest dick I've ever seen. Now, this also dovetails into God's amazing sense of humor. Uh, that's an absolute truth. I was teaching uh, special education uh, back in 1997 in uh, Woodland, California. And I was teaching for a group of kids that were between, I'm going to say, 16 and 22. And they all had IQs uh, that were far below average. And we did different things in this class. We taught life skills. We taught them how to fold laundry and um, sort items so they could have jobs in the future. Now, I went and I'm substituting in this class. I'm a first year credentialed school teacher. And I, I'm a first year school, year school credentialed teacher and I'm teaching and I'm 22 years old. And, uh, I've been with my, he was, he was my husband for, anyways, I was in a committed relationship for the three years previous and I was, I'm a very big prude. Uh, my, my uh, then boyfriend, husband, uh, this is a non sequitur, but black guy and people always said, you know, black guys have really big dicks and I was like, of course, but I was a virgin when I slept with him. So I was of course saying, wow, what an enormously uh, huge penis he had until I saw this penis one day as I'm teaching special education. So I'm teaching kids all day long. I'm, we're doing some, I'm making some mac and cheese on the stove. We're stirring it. And I start hearing screaming from the bathroom, screaming, screaming, screaming. And I look at the two aides in the classroom and I'm like, what's that about? And they say, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. So I go back and, you know, working with the other kids We're folding laundry. We're doing life skills. And I hear screaming again, incredible, just blood curdling screams from the bathroom. And I'm thinking, something's going on. We need to check this out. I look at the two aides in the classroom, two other women in it. I'm like, I put and raising my hands going, what do I do here in this situation? You know, worried about the other students. Finally, a third time screaming, screaming, screaming. So I open the bathroom door and there on the toilet is a boy laughing of maybe 17 years of age with a 17 inch dick. And I'm not kidding you. Erect, huge. He's stroking it. He's laughing hysterically. I slam the door closed and I look at the two aides in the classroom and I'm like, what? And they go, he does that to all the new substitutes. And I was like, you could have warned me. What are you, what is this? This is fun for you. And they're like, well, you know, that's his, that's his thing. That's what he, you know. And, uh, so I always thought, you know, is there 
a fetish uh, for retard porn. Now, I get to say the word retard because I was a special education teacher for four years. I paid my dues. I was married to a black guy for 13 years, but I can't use the n-word but i can use retard and i use it i use it with great aplomb okay so that's that's the first story and it's that was relatively short it could be lengthened ha <laughs> but um but that might be a little too edgy here's the second story which is about the first time i ever had uh group sex and then i also came from oral sex uh surprise a lady did it all right so uh i come from a very prudish background as i said i was married in a committed relationship for 13 years to the same man uh and i moved to san francisco and i had been a previously very prudish uh because i was you know a a very sheltered 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 person so i'm coming up to san francisco i had some friends and they said we're gonna take you on an adventure And I said, an adventure, that sounds amazing. And they didn't tell me where we were going. And my friend said, you can only, the only thing you need is a bathing suit and a towel. Everything else you can or don't have to have. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting. So they get me in the car and um, I'm being taken to this place. I suddenly realize, oh, we're going to the Delta. We're going to be on houseboats. So there's two houseboats. I'm very excited for this strange vacation. I'm I'm the 17th person. I'm the rogue agent. I'm like, don't bring the prude girl to be the rogue agent. So I find out that these people are a bunch of porn clowns and porn clowns do exactly what you think they do. They dress up in clownish outfits. They uh, sing a lot of karaoke and uh, they have a really good time. Also, GHB is a thing. I don't know. So this, I've never taken GHB before. I didn't know what it was about. Uh, They're like, well, you can't drink. Okay, okay. The people were very safe about it. And uh, it makes you pretty darn horny. So, and as does karaoke, obviously. So I'm on these two houseboats. I'm having a great time with people just singing karaoke and having a great time. And all of a sudden there's, I'm part of five or six naked people and we're having sex. And I'm like, wait a minute. How did this, how did this happen? Uh, and, and that was exciting for me because I was from, you know, a really sheltered prudish background. I'd been married and now here I am the rogue agent. I'm like, I'm the rogue agent. So I made the date. It was very, it was really cool, actually. It was like the first orgy I've ever been a part of. And people were really respectful. And they put out these, these limits and boundaries of what you can and can't do with each other. And what, and I, I was like, wow, okay. Uh, we're not, no one's putting any body parts inside me. And they were like, yeah, yeah, okay, great. And there was a flogging thing. It was really fun. I had a really great time. It was really like safe and affirming and sex positive. And I'd never been in anything like this before. So... It was really great. So anyways, the next morning we're all sitting around and talking and people are naked and it's pretty cool. And I divulge that I've never come from oral sex because my ex-husband was black. Not just because of that, but he just didn't ever go down on me. And I was always worried about like herpes and I was worried about all of these different things. And I was also like, oh my God, you're going to put my mouth, your mouth on the butt. Ah, I can't even think about it. So I was all freaked out. But a girl did it and it was amazing. And I came so fast. Like in like 30 seconds. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. And there were other people watching, which might've had like something to do with it. So that was like exciting. But what I'm saying is from my sheltered background, I finally uh, came from oral sex and it was a girl on a houseboat party as the 17th rogue agent of what turned out to be a porn clown adventure. So uh, it was really an amazing and wonderful time. And I would like to also pitch that story for body storytelling. So thank you, 
Dixie Latour, and uh, I hope I hope that you choose me, Pam Benjamin, to be on your show. And also, I can I did these relatively quickly. I can I can extend them, you know. So uh, thanks so much. Bye. Okay, so that was uh, me telling. I don't know if I did a good job. Hey, Latoya, yeah, how are you did. doing? I'm fine. I that's awesome. <laughs> well, I enjoyed that story. Thank you. I really did. I was like, I got a lot of vivid pictures and stuff, honestly, and I was kind of jealous. It was really fun. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, I've never. Uh, it was one of the times when, and it wasn't, it was Is during that, Burning Man, but not at Burning Man. So it was like Burning Man After your Man divorce people. and stuff? After my divorce and stuff, yes. It was when I had first uh, moved to the city. In, in fact, I believe this was, I'd been in the city for like exactly a year or maybe, was it two years? I was in my place up on the hill on Leavenworth. Anyways, it was a fun time. Everyone, when I moved here, everyone seemed to think that I was someone that I wasn't because yeah. they'd met me at Burning Man. And um, I'm like this. I'm not. I'm not like that at all. So I brought us a bottle of wine because it's the year in review. Oh my gosh! It's the end of the shittiest year since 1995, 2004, and uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, those are my shitty years. Sh- those are the shitty years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 2007 for me was pretty great and terrible. That's oh, 2007 when I, was terrible too. 2007 was DUI. when I left my. Yeah, I left my ex-husband. I flipped my car three times, got a DUI, but then I moved to San Francisco in that same year. So 2007 was like crazy, crazy. At, but awesome. And that was when I went to Burning Man and then they brought me back here. So it was 2007 was a changing That's year. 10 years ago now. Almost. Yeah. Ugh. Almost. Oh, this is going to be this coming this year. Um, October 4th, 2007 was the day that I moved to San Francisco. So February, I'm excited. Uh, no, March 2nd was, 2007 was the year and the date I got my DUI. Ah, right? I was, yeah. I was May, May 30, May 28th and, or May 31st, May 31st. Ooh, Memorial my Day. Memorial weekend. Yeah. I was up wine drinking alone, uh, but I just left my husband and, and our anniversary was the 28th. We got married on the 28th. Uh, in 2000 that's when we got married wow so I left him like right before our seven year anniversary Jesus yeah just walked out the door was like I'm out of here see actually this actually I like this story because it coincides with the orgy so it goes into oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. well that was 2008 was I believe when that happened so so that whole year in review what you're talking about kind of coincides into like and this is how I slipped into this orgy and this is how I had group sex for the first time (laughs) well now the first time I had a threesome was the only time I've had a threesome was with two other girls but that story isn't as Delightful. Like, I mean, it was great. We were all best friends, and it—I mean, it was. We were basically my my best friend had someone had broken up with her, and she was really broken up about it. She was really like, and she, we, my other friend and I, we were there, and we were like, "Is there anything we can do for you?" And she's like, "I wouldn't mind having an orgasm if you guys could make that happen." And we were like, "Of course, of you guys course. are good friends." Yeah, like, are you kidding me? Absolutely. And at this time, I was still married to my husband, and I don't even think we ever told him that, or he found out about it from someone else, and he was not happy, because this was in the Vista home, so this is before we even moved to Claremont, so this was like in like maybe 2003, I had a, I had my first threesome, but they were my best friends, and it didn't feel like a threesome, it felt like... Friendship. It felt like I'm helping my friend have an orgasm. Thank you. Yeah. I I actually had a threesome... (laughs) 
I'm about to say this. I actually had a threesome with my best friend back home. Wow. Cool. Uh, and uh, yeah, just it was just we're just good friends yeah and kicked the dude out and started laughing at him absolutely well, <laughs> i got laughed at because this I hope was, no one hears this one my my friend goes uh do you have a carrot a cucumber anything <laughs> and i was like i'm doing my best here girl like you know sisters trying as hard as you can i'm sisters sorry i don't have a are doing it for themselves yeah, i was like we don't she's like you don't eat, have a dildo i'm like my husband won't let me have dildos because he's very insecure about the size of his penis. That was the whole thing is I never knew. That's the whole crux to the story about the huge penis. I didn't know how big penises could be because I didn't watch porn and I had been married for so long. And I hope he is still not that person because even talking about the fact of the uh, orgy, he did not go down on you? We never he went down on you. He was one of those brothers? He never, oh, he was not a go down on you, was not a go down on me kind of person. Beta brother. Beta brother, meaning beta, they don't make you anymore and they shouldn't. <laughs> he just, yeah, he was old school that way, I guess. Well, the, the thing was that I, not fair. I was like, I was, we were both raised religious and puritanical and and even now with Jonathan, he's an amazing human being and a great lover and I love him so much. And, but we're both kind of still pretty prude because we were both raised in such restricted yeah. Christian homes that those um, are the biggest freaks though <laughs> well but that and that's what I've heard but I don't necessarily but you've actually even by the story that you told and even just what you told me right now you got freaking you because it's usually those who come from a background like I was like I was raised in the Catholic home and blah 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 and I'm a big freak um <laughs> but you know I, I didn't lose my virginity until I was 20 you know, it, it, and it's a thing of like, you yeah. know, I don't, prudish, I, I don't like that word that much, but it's something that we've, we've heard so many times and, you know, we, these are things that we were taught not to do sexually. Yeah, right. You know, and. I used to masturbate in my closet. Like it was wow. so like I could have just closed my door, but I was so ashamed of it that <laughs> I kept it in the closet. I kept it in literally in the closet, like laying on the ground in the closet, moving shoes around. Well, at least you masturbated. Masturbating in the closet. Because you still even hear women as adults to this very day. I would never masturbate. I don't have to. I'm like, bitch, you're lying. Oh, I can't even imagine that. I mean, I. Well, and that's, I mean, okay, so I watched that, it's not a silly movie, but Kinsey, and it was all about, and I, the one thing I couldn't believe is how closeted people were about sexuality at that time, that women were, didn't have any idea what was going on at all. Like, they didn't have any talk at all about anything, and then all of a sudden, the guy's like, well, this is what I wanted. I mean, there was no, like... I, I don't know. It was so closeted when they were, and but that was the thing. Me too. I mean, my ex-husband never went down on me, so it's just something that never really happened. And the only time I'll let Jonathan do it is like I have to be fresh out of the bathtub, yeah. or and it's got to be like a weekend because I just can't like relax into it if it's, you know, like it's gotta I guess be a weekend. it's got to be Christmas. I've, I've got to have like time, you know, to to like get like okay, this is what's gonna. But it's just because it's we're were patterns of behavior and, and then I've never watched porn really oh, so yeah. I, I'm, uh, I'm I, I actually love porn yeah. I've, I've said this many times I I love porn I do but I don't watch it every day and actually I carry uh, I actually just got a new vibrator that I can carry with me 
Um, it's in my purse right now. It looks, it's the shape of a lipstick. Um, and I also carry uh, those wet naps because you never know when your pussy's going to get licked. Wow. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so you've got a cleaning mechanism yes. on you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. Because you want to stay fresh. <laughs> so fresh and so clean. clean. <laughs> wow. I am learning so much today. But I'm I'm really the the orgy story to me is like almost like it's a it's a really great fantasy, but it's it actually really happened. And it's almost like I want to say a fairy tale fantasy, an adult fairy tale fantasy. Hell yeah, it was weird and cool and porn clowns. You could I mean I could write it out as like a story thing. It would be cute. The karaoke was great. You know, I was... Uh, That's awesome. It, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I didn't name any names uh, because, you know, you I never don't want to name yeah. any names. But uh, it was great. It was a great time. And uh, so... But that was in 2008. This is the year 2016. <sighs> I want to hear, like, the worst thing that happened to you personally <laughs> this year. Um... I've, I got my top five, but I will. Yeah, no, let's go top five. Top five. Let's not. Let's not okay. limit you. Let's let's give you top five. I had a really bad falling out with my mother. I still have not talked to. Have had a conversation with her wow. since uh, September. Um, did not wish her a Merry Christmas. She's been calling me. I'm not talking to her. Wow. That really hurts. Um, Prince David Bowie election. Oh. I cried. Um, I've been on a George Michael. Uh, I know. Um, best karaoke songs ever. We can, we can, we can help him continue. We can to live through our singing of George uh, Michael. Faith is such a fun song to sing. Everyone can do it at karaoke. Freedom is one of freedom my is one of the best. Yes, and yes. I know a group of straight guys that sing it every single time they sing karaoke, and they're really? these like 40, 50 something guys, and they're like until and it was now that gay people can get married, but they're like until gay people can get married, we're gonna sing this song every week. That's awesome. all of us together. And now they still do the now that gay people can get married, we're gonna keep <laughs> singing this song every week because solidarity. And it's like a bunch of like forty something, fifty something That's like awesome. dudes that all they're really good. They're really gonna be I singing it. Please don't give it up. I think basically like 2016 was the letdown of humanity for me. Oh. I think of you know just even talking about like what happened with me and my mom and yeah. just you know personal it, and global. Yeah, exactly. Woo. You know, especially after the election, people just don't care about each other and other people's feelings and you know just other people have feelings what? <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were all uh, automatons here to pleasure me and everything that I and, and every idea and thought that I have that's right they all exist for me right just for you, just for you. she's all like for you. Westworld they're all AIs and for they, you. Can't, they just exist for my pleasure alone what about you what is um the worst the the, like the worst things that happened this year yeah. um well the whole uh trumpian disaster tremendous disaster that is i mean i would have to say like even higher than that is my loss of faith in the american people at all as having any intelligence whatsoever uh, i've recognized that we are just we are a pocket we are a bubble here 
and uh, and, and the end times are upon us, and we are fucked because nobody reads. Nobody. I'm reading Marxism again, and, and oh, wow. for, stuff he's writing in, in 1948 is so pregnant with what we need to be talking about right now. There's a constant class struggle happening. Mm -hmm. This is Marxism from 1848. There's a constant class struggle. And our people are too stupid to see the class struggle. We are so blinded by our consumerism and by the the products. And he even talks about this in the Communist Manifesto, in the first thing about the proletariat versus the bourgeoisie. And and what we've become and it's all haves and have nots and we've seen this again and again and then it becomes a revolution and then things change and then and then we start it all over again and there's always a slave and a master and until we can equalize everything which I know is impossible because we are entitled little fuckbags that think that we're the best things every single one of us is a precious little snowflake then it's like (laughs) come on we gotta start (laughs) we're such precious yeah white little snowflakes well if you're a snowflake, then I'm a snowflake, and then we're all precious. So, fucking stop it with the entitlement. And and we enslave people constantly. There's yeah. okay. So, anyways, even at work, constantly. There's yeah. always in every system there is the there is a class system in every system. There. Yeah, you absolutely. Know. I will say this though, Pam. Um, and I was thinking about this as you're saying that during the election, when you reached out to your dad. Oh, yeah, that was great. My dad's the best. Yeah, that, like, you had never seen that in your lifetime no, before. I've never seen him not vote Republican. He is a staunch, like, and his favorite thing to say when I was little, when I said, Daddy, what's the difference between Republicans and Democrats? And he would say, and I was rich, and I didn't know I was rich. Now, this is the thing that was weird about me. I didn't know I was rich until I was eight, 16. I didn't know that we were rich. I would watch 90210 and I'd be like, oh my God, it's just like my life. I need to have that outfit. I need to have these things. And I was like, I didn't, I thought that's how everybody was. I didn't understand that it was a TV show and that I was living this privileged lifestyle. I didn't understand that. You have to understand that I didn't know. So when my mind was blown when I was 16 and I went to Mexico to build houses with my church and I saw that people live in cinder block homes that have rebar that sticks out because maybe someday they'll have enough money to make a second story and houses that are made out of corrugated tin and people that don't have houses at all and we were building them these like garages basically and people were bringing us fresh tortillas and everything they were like taking all their money and putting it together to buy us cokes and I was like stop we have lots of money like don't give it and they were like you have to accept their gifts and I was like, oh my God, so you know, try to share or whatever. I didn't know that I was rich. I thought that's how we all were. And that's, I feel like there's a lot of people in America that don't recognize that. Right. And don't see how wealthy we are in a world. But now, and now I'm even poor and I still feel like I'm rich. The way that we drive cars and the way that we consume products and the way that we throw things away and the re- all of our foods have double packaging. Why? Yeah. Why does Cheerios have to be in a bag <laughs> in a box? With the why? Why do we have to? Why do we need this? Well, because we need to buy, sell more things. We want to because Pop Tarts. Like I think it's because they don't want people to put cyanide in it. That's just me. 
Because there's crazy motherfuckers out there that I just, poison it, your food. I, it's just that that's the thing too then. All right. So, but there is poison in our food because it's being made with corn syrup. If you want to make Pop-Tarts, make them yourself. And wouldn't yeah. that be great making your own pie crust and getting some fruit and turning it into jam and then sticking it in there and bake it in a toaster? Who wouldn't, what kid wouldn't love that? You but, make it, you toast it in the oven and then you put it in the freezer and in the morning they stick it in the toaster and you made your and own And that's Pop-Tarts. how this all coincides to like the, you know, the, like inhumanity that we have right now with food and what have you like this is something that we should grow i mean this is what this is the normal this is what it is now especially with this administration because you know that fat you know president cheeto um eats pop tarts probably well we just have to unhealthiness it's all it's unhealthy and it's toxic it's totally toxic and that's why we our people are getting fatter and it's crazy and the diabetes Mm -hmm. and nobody's seeing the correlation and then now we have two people in the white house that are naysayers against global warming they're saying global warming doesn't exist and i say you're an insane person and then we look insane because we're talking about issues that they're just like shut up and buy shit exactly so yeah this is i watched this thing about sugar and at the beginning of this year thank you Netflix for shaping my entire life (laughs) and there was a guy that said if you want a pop tart or whatever he used the idea of an apple pie the difference between how we eat now and how we ate in the past is that you'd have to go out and make a pie and do that if you want to eat anything just make sure you make it go to a tree and pick the apples and then go I mean he went really far back he's like go and make the grain and grind the grain and I'm like go buy the flour and the butter <laughs> so but even if you go to the store and you get your flour that's already processed right but if you make your own pie from scratch and then you eat the whole thing okay great but the problem is that in America we can just we could I could right now walk I could I could take the bus I could get four blocks to the Safeway and I could bring back an apple pie for six ninety nine, it would be cheaper even yeah. than the to, to, to make it. it would be cheaper than making it. But it's we didn't make it, and it's got weird other stuff in it, and then that's why we get fat and crazy. Is I, that I think it's that on top of the fact of like whenever you finish something, you you feel really good about a co- your accomplishment, and that's that <laughs> with cooking. Like <laughs> I, oh, I thought you just meant in general when you eat a whole pie. Yeah, but no, I, I feel so go, accomplished right now. Well, I actually, that's so how the American people feel. Right actually, now. I accomplished by destroying this. I, whole pie that I didn't make myself no I mean (laughs) that's I I just got a visual of that yeah I accomplished Uh, pie that that should be like a really good (laughs) meme right accomplished pie Uh, yeah but I mean like I cooked all Christmas dinner I cooked everything you know and the thing is and I chopped the vegetables the fact of that fulfillment of accomplishing something rather than I can you know, I can buy everything packaged or I can do this easy. Taking the easy route, I, I, I don't like that. I, I'm used to, I've, I've done it so many times, but when it, it feels good when you do it the hard way. But it's that's the thing, that just used to be the way. Yeah. And now we think about it as like, well, it's the hard way. But it's just, it just used to be the way. But the hard way is sometimes fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's the other thing. We're You're not proving teaching, yourself. We're not teaching our children to, to accomplish, to everything every effort is their first effort is fine you know and we don't say well you know i don't so anyways president shido probably the worst thing uh but even more than that my now and i not that i had trust in the american people but now i'm just like i'm just really dismayed at the future and um i'm so i'm gonna read some marxism and like (sighs) 
It's the a communist man- Yeah, well, the Communist Manifesto is great, and Marxism is awesome, and I understand that it never works in practice, in praxis, that it, the theories of it are great, but for some reason, people always fuck it up, and I don't, I mean, I'm relatively an altruistic person, and I try to live up to that, and I guess, I mean, I don't see myself as a, I just, I see other people fucking each other over, and I'm like, how can they really, can they really do that? Who's doing that? And that we, I guess it's, it's like in War and Peace, where they say you can be a good person and still murder people. If you're at war, then you still, like, how do you justify that if you murder people, but you can still be a person? You still can live your life and breathe air, and you just have to get over it in your head, and then, but then once you do something like that. It's never, it's never going to leave your head, I don't believe that. I, I think it does something to you psychologically. It's either A, you th- you know that I can continue doing this, or B, regret, you know. Yeah. I mean, the only kind of thing I can pair it to in my life is that at one point, I was sort of, I had given him the impression that we were exclusive, but I was still sleeping with somebody else, and I didn't, it wasn't like I was high, I was kind of hiding it. Anyways, he came over. Um, one morning early for something and the other guy was there and he was really hurt he punched a wall and I said the wall will always win <laughs> and, and that that was like I I knew that that would upset him I knew that he thought that we were exclusive but I was like I like you a lot but I really 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 like to sleep with this other guy and he fulfilled something wrong in my psyche. He made he made me a poet because I just was so tormented and it was so stupid. It's just like it's like oh to feel the lyrical nature of life through the wanting of someone I cannot have. So like like all that was happening and but that's the only thing I can think of where I really fucked somebody over and and I kind of knew I was doing it and I did it anyway. But I've never fucked anybody out of money. I've no. never like, I've never tried to be like. I wouldn't want that to happen to me. I've never planned an attack on a person that oh, was I like have. purely evil. Like to get back at them oh, or something like that. I haven't done that. That bitch deserved it too. <laughs> I just, she I don't, stole from me. Oh. It's usually if you do something to me, I'm going to find something to. I'm clever. Retribution, I don't yeah. yeah. I, I feel good about it. Or if you know, if you hurt me, I. But, but I've see, you've been, you didn't do it first. Now I no. wasn't wronged or hurt by anybody, and I made the choice. And he, I wasn't, I wasn't acting out in aggression. I was acting out of pure selfishness. Yeah. And that's the only time I can like point to that. I've done that before too, and I, you know, that's one of the things I regret too, because you know better, and you, you know, it doesn't feel good. And why are you doing this? When I was, when I had, do, when I was doing that, I was still, I was not feeling good about myself. And I knew that was not... I'm like, why am I doing this? It's self-sabotage. You know this is not going to last. Right. But I loved having my cake and eating it too because I felt like I was in this (laughs) really great relationship where like he was really... Like he was really attentive to my needs. But it just... I knew that I didn't have that like... Like the thing. But the other guy that I had that with was not ever going to give me breakfast in bed and you know, that kind of bullshit. He was... You know, it wasn't like it wasn't that it was just sex but I had come out of that relationship I just didn't understand that that was a thing like this whole all these grinder tinder people it is so 
amazing to me. And there was a whole movie that was based on it that was on the Netflix about the gays. And uh, and I'm and that's fine. There people can be sexually active, and I guess I understand it. But like, I don't at the same time because I can't imagine. It's a meat market kind of thing. Right. I can't imagine having a phone thing and taking a cute picture and being like come over to my house let's have sex or let's go out for coffee and then let's decide if we're gonna have sex or not that just for me is like what come over to my house take off your shirt like what like never done that one wait i don't know does that happen (laughs) isn't that what happens on tinder it's like yeah it's for sex i've never i mean i i guess i don't i don't do tinder i think it's stupid um i rather touch people and look at their facial expressions. Like I, I've been on like OK Cupid and the other dating sites, never Tinder. I, you know, I've been a whore in in reality. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's like a meat market because you hear people all just swipe and look and just swipe, and that that to me adds to the inhumane side. Oh yeah, you know, you're not just a person. Like a, yeah, not a, a person. You're just like a face. That's well, it. I mean, my friend, when it first came out, I remember being in line at Brainwash with. Um, uh, uh, it was with uh, God, uh, Chris. Uh, he was a BMX biker, and it's Chris, and he's down in LA now. With, anyways, we were outside the brainwash, and he was swiping, 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 and he's like, "It's a numbers game, baby. It's a numbers game. Just swipe every single one." He swiped right on just every single one, and he it was at the very beginning of Tinder, and I was just like, yeah. and he's a sex addict, so I'm glad I didn't say his last name. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I, he came over to my house once, and he's, and like, something happened. I saved him. He was on the street, or something happened, and he was drunk at the bar next door, and somehow he ended up sleeping at my house, and I was not going to have, I was single at the time even, and he was like, let's have sex, and I'm like, no, I don't ever want to do that with you, and he's like, no, no, we really shouldn't, I'm like, no, we really shouldn't, we really shouldn't, it's not something that I'm interested in at all, because I know that you're a sex addict, he's like, no, I think that the best thing to do would be to have sex, like, he tried to convince me for like a half hour, and I was just like, no, dude, it ain't going to happen, you can keep trying, it's we are going to be friends. Now I remember his name. Yeah. His last name, Chris Duncan. Uh, I was like, we are going to be friends and we are never going to have sex. And I am fine with that. There's no regrets <laughs> That's in that decision. Accomplishment. I, I mean, I got to say one of the best things of 2016 is my solid and amazing relationship with Jonathan Yay. Moore, the most incredible person in the universe. We've had our three-year anniversary on Christmas Day and he's just the best and three I three years man three years and I'm so happy I'm just like it's unbelievable I have I don't even I haven't even like seen a person on the street that I've found attractive like I just don't even I'm not even looking at like aesthetically at men at all I'm just not interested in and I'm just I'm you got what you want at home I know it's crazy that's, well and he comes awesome. out like last last night I'm like we can do anything you want to do and, and we were hanging out at Bender's and we got some dollar tacos and they were great counter offered forever yay and um he uh was, was like let's just go to brainwash and I was like honey <laughs> so he you know he was willing to um to, to go to any for me he, and he didn't I don't think he paid attention to my set but I had a really good set and I was riffing the whole time uh, I felt really good about it yay supportive. supportive supportive he but he's always there and he fucking cares and he's amazing so here's all the people that died in 2016 oh, we're gonna change gears should we um should we 
open some wine and I think yeah, we should. I'm going to go we'll, across the street and get some chips, but we should play a George Michael song. We should play now, the, the dead people list of 2016 yes, music. That's what I, okay. You're so smart. We're going to go <laughs> the dead people in. list. I've started playing. I woke up to list, uh, uh, playing David Bowie. Then I moved to George Michael and then I started playing Prince. So yeah, let's go. George. Oh, and uh, R.I.P. Uh, Princess Layla. Uh, no, I am so bummed. What is? Can we stop Carrie sorry? Fisher? Can we stop with this? Really seriously? Like the Grim Reaper is out. We still have the whole Republican Party. Take them out. Yeah, right. But I guess you can't kill evil. Absolutely. <laughs> I guess you can't kill Let's evil. Let's do freedom because we were talking about that earlier. We dropped four. Yes, ma'am. Uh, this is this is the song that all of my. Uh, friends would sing at Napper Tandy great guys uh, and Andrew McAllister this goes out to you and yours we'll be right back on the AltaCast here at Mutiny Radio
until like 97, right? Yeah, 97, 98. 98. After, yeah, after the whole uh, Beverly Hills bathroom thing. That's right. But yeah. this was Freedom 90. 90. Yeah. So, you know, hot models. Good job, George Michael. But the Michael. lyrics make so much sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Even straight Sometime men love. The Everybody loves George Michael. All we I, This year was really terrible. It was, uh, you're absolutely right. Like, it was terrible. It keeps going, too. Terrible, like, terrible, Alan Thick was last week. Oh, we're going we're gonna to go through it. Oh, oh don't man. worry. Here we go. Here are all the dead people. Our top. <laughs> Our the top list. dead people. Number one Damn. died yesterday. Carrie Fisher of Star Wars, Princess Leia. Very sad. Very sad. Great writer. These people are really. And a lot of Surrender these people, the Pink. Great book. Uh, postcards and postcards from the, from the edge. Love great. It. Love she it. was amazing. Uh, so this is celebrities, actors, and directors. I'm just gonna go all the way down. Uh, Carrie Fisher, Star Wars, Ricky Harris, I don't know who that is. Oh, I know who Zsa Zsa is. Gabor, not Ava Gabor, but Jaja. Uh, Alan Thicke, so bummed about that. That, that was sad about that. Days of Our Lives star Joseph Molasco, so that was, what? he was uh, Steph- Stefano. 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 No, way, I didn't know he passed. Yeah, Howard Stern Show, personality Joey Boots, I don't know who that is. Oh, yeah, Baba Florence Bowie. Henderson, oh, Baba Booey. <gasps> Baba, Baba Booey, I know who that is. Uh, Florence Henderson, so sad. Uh, yeah. The man from Uncle, actor Robert Vaughn. He looks oh, like he's been he in a lot in of a things. Superman three too. He's yeah. in a lot of things from the eighties. Absolutely. Agnes Nixon, creator of All My Children. Oh. NCIS showrunner Gary Glasberg. I don't know what that. <laughs> what's a showrunner? I don't know. Curtis Hanson, Eight Mile in L.A. Confidential director. Chairman oh. Carr, Liesel in The Sound of Music. Alexis Arquette, actress and transgender oh. advocate. Lady Chablis of Midnight in the Garden of Good, Good and Evil. I, really? That was, yeah, I didn't know she died. Damn. Uh, Life and Legend of Wyatt Earp star Hugh O'Brien. Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder. That was, yeah, I know. Actor Kenny Baker, uh, Star Wars' R2-D2. The big from the Big Lebowski, David Huddleston. Uh, he oh, was in a lot of the Coen Brother movies. Yeah, Dances with Wolves actor Chief David Bald Eagle Jr. Aww. Miss Cleo, yeah, psychic she Miss Cleo. Yeah. She... Oh wow! We're not done yet. Gary Marshall, TV and movie legend. <laughs> Lo- Noel Neal, Lois Lane on Superman TV show. Star Trek's actor Anton John, yeah. Yelkin, and actually when he was a young boy, he was in that movie. Um, where they it was the true story and they kidnapped him and murdered him up on the top of the I know thing. what you're talking about. I've seen yeah. it. Yeah, and His, Justin Timberlake's in it. Yeah, yeah. Was, is it Alpha Dog? Yes. yes. By the way, his death was really effed up. Super, super tragic. Yeah, it, he got smashed by his car. By his car against. A, 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 don't don't have gates at your house, guys. TV actress Anne Mor- Mar- Morgan Gubert. I don't, I don't know who that is. Ron Lester, varsity blues actor. I don't know him either. Alf actor Mishu Mezare, Mezaros. That little person I've seen. He must before. have played Alf. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the waitress on Alice, actress Beth Howland. Oh, I loved her. Alan Young from Wilbur on Mr. Uh, on Mr. Ed. Casablanca actress Madeline LeBeau. Oh, she was old. <laughs> William Shallert, dad on the Patty Duke show. This is wrestler China. China. What happened she, to China? Okay, she so was she, so young. She had a really bad drugs and alcohol. That's all I said. Oh, that's really sad. Doris, Doris Roberts, Roberts, the mom on Everyone Loves Raymond. And Christmas Vacation. Mm. Daisy Llewellyn, 
reality TV star. The voice of Star Wars um, Admiral Akbar, Eric Bowersfeld. Patty Duke. Uh, Patty Duke. The the governor from Benson, James Noble. Gary Shandling. I loved loved Gary Shandling. They just actually did his autopsy and... He uh, re- like it came out that he died of a blood clot. Uh, Gary Shandling, Bummer. yeah. Joe him. Santos of the Rockford Files, L.A. Law actor Larry Drake, actor George Kennedy, oh, Big Ang Riala, a Mob Wives star. Wow, she's had bad oh, plastic yeah, surgery. Oh yeah, Big Ang, I loved her. Big Ang, uh, oh. George Gaines, Punky Brewster actor. Oh, what? The dad from Punky Brewster. I didn't know he died in Police Academy. Yeah. Yeah. Bob Elliott, half of the legends, Bob and Ray. I don't know who he is either. Joe Alasky, voice of Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. Abe Vagoda, the godfather and Barney Miller actor. Dan Haggerty, Grizzly Adams star. Renee and Renee and Gitil, husband of Celine Dion. Actor Alan Rickman. Oh, uh, I know. He, he died a couple days after Bowie. David Margulies, Ghostbuster actor, but he was in other things. Pat Harrington Schneider on One Day at a Time. And cinematographer Vilmos Zygmunt. A lot of dead famous people, and some of those people aren't famous. This is the entire list. But I not, thought that we'd go through the entire list of dead people. I think we need to go through the whole thing because it's it's really, it, it keeps going. Like the year's oh, not yeah. over yet. Oh, that's true. The year's not it's, over yet. It's, oh, it's, wow. <laughs> what if they don't make the 2016 year in review? That sucks. You know what my friend said yesterday, or like after George Michael on Sunday, he's like, well, it's still early. It's still 2016. What hap- what's going to happen next? Who's the next one? Then, yesterday, yeah, Carrie, Carrie Fisher. Fisher. God damn it, Grim Reaper. To Grim Reaper. Okay, so here is musicians and industry executives. George Michael, Rick Parfit, Parfit status quo guitarist, I don't know that's Soul singer Sharon Jones, Jones. Sharon Jones, rock and roll star Leon Russell, singer songwriter Leonard Cohen. I didn't know Leonard Cohen yeah, died. November. Music legend Buckwheat Zydeco. I didn't know that one. Rapper Shadi Lowe, former NWA manager Jerry, Jerry Heller. Heller. Fred Hellerman of the Weavers, Juan Gabriel, Mexican music icon, oh, jazz great him. Peter Fountain, Ralph Stanley, bluegrass music legend, singer a twelve quarters of PM Dawn. Yeah, he uh, died. that's so sad. Yeah. Voice singer Christina Grimmy, whatever. Singer songwriter Guy Clark, Jane Little, Guinness World Record holding bassist. Singer Prince. <laughs> okay, stop. I know, I know. Okay. Moment of silence for Prince. <sighs> okay. Oof. Merle Haggard, Frank Sinatra Jr., Keith Emerson of Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. I don't know who that is. Sir George Martin, Beatles producer. Joey Martin Feek of country duo Jory and Rory. Sonny James, country music legend. Denise Matthews, Prince Vanity. Protégé, Vanity. Maurice White of Earth, oh, Wind, Wind, and Fire. Fire. Yeah. Paul Katner, Jefferson Airplane guitarist, the Eagles, Eagles Glenn Frey, Fry, whatever. <gasps> David Bowie. And that's how the year started. David Bowie. That's how the year started. David Bowie. Uh, <sighs> and Robert Stigwood, forced behind Saturday Night Fever. All right, this is leaders, politicians, and military figures. This is, we're going through all of them. Uh, this is crazy. I'm like getting astronaut, Former Senator Astronaut John Glenn. John Glenn. Former Secretary of Defense Melvin Laird. Thai King Humbitol Adulje. I'm sorry for butchering your name, dude. Israeli leader and Nobel laureate Shimon Peres. 
the World War II Navajo code talker, George <laughs> Joe Hostein Kelwood, Phyllis Shalafly, towering social conservative figure, Suzanne Wright, autism act- activist, Representative Mark Takai of Hawaii, Mother Mary Angelica, nun who built Catholic Media Network, former Toronto Mayor Rob Ford, former First Lady Nancy Reagan. First of all, we got to go back to Rob Ford. Oh, former was, Toronto Mayor yeah, Rob Ford. Yeah, he was the guy that smoked crack. Oh, shit. That's he why he had a heart guy. attack, baby, right? Yeah. And you know how old he was? He was only in his late 40s. Well, and look at 53-year-old George Michael. What happened? Why did your heart explode? Why did you go John Ritter on us? And it's because... Oh. Exactly. John Ritter Thank did you. a ton of cocaine in the early 80s. I mean, look, even I'm surprised um, that nothing happened to, to Robin Williams. He did an enormous... <laughs> it's impossible to watch Mork and Mindy without being like, does he have white shit around his nose? <laughs> Seriously. Like, he was so coked to the gills. Now, and God love him, and I'm not speaking ill of the dead here, but he, I'm just saying. So, and you see some of these people, like... And Carrie Fisher had a heart attack too And she admitted to doing a ton of cocaine That's why she was so skinny for Return of the Jedi She wasn't eating shit Because she was doing tons of coke That's that's why why Paul Simon left her Because of the cocaine That's interesting 50 ways to leave your life Yeah, well, she's a badass And and I'm going to miss her And her her writing and And her artistic, yeah Her writing, her artistic embellishment of our world she has a great one woman show that yeah i H- saw it did you see that i did i saw it on opening night at berkeley repertory theater and i saw george lucas go up the stairs and and i sat in the same box as her father wow which was crazy and, and it was funny. eddie fisher no it was, way. Oh, yeah it was opening night and i was there why did i get to who did i know i knew somebody <laughs> it was great anyways i got free tickets i got to go to opening night and i was that's amazing the, it was really great that's actually really that's and a lot of people know her for just like uh star wars but she was just such a great writer and a, a, yeah a great novelist and she uh cleaned up scripts for people the whole deal uh former first lady nancy reagan here's the one that i don't give a shit about fuck you antonin scalia supreme court fuck justice you. fuck you dead 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 no dead. problem fuck you. no problem that you're you deserve dead. to be in not hell. bummed about fuck it you. Uh, I had a terrible, uh, you know, my last period was really, really heavy, and I thought maybe I aborted the ghost of Scalia. But no, I wish. New, that's new material. Yeah. yeah. The ghost of Scalia. The ghost in my of blood. Scalia. Uh, Edgar Mitchell, astronaut who walked on the moon, Dale Bumpers, former U.S. Senator, Arkansas governor, and former Representative Michael Oxley. Here's. Journalists, authors, innovators, media, Thank and academic you. figures. Let's Watership go. Down author Richard Adams. Love that book. Vera Rubin, Dark Matter Pioneer. PBS newscaster Gwen Ifill. Sad. Uh, Tuck Everlasting author Natalie Babbitt. Actor, playwright, Nobel laureate Dario Fo. Author Gloria Naylor. She looked young. Legendary playwright Edward Albee. That's uh, uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. One of the best plays ever written about alcoholism and uh, and the way a marriage can really work. Can I say I've never read the play or I've only seen the movie? I saw it live. Kathleen Turner played oh, the lead character oh in L.A. Oh, God, are you serious? Yeah, and she was phenomenal. She's perfect for it. She was Phenomenal! She was incredible. Oh my god! She acted, and it is a three-act play, and it is not short. It is a long you play. Were just, it was so intense, wasn't it, it? And there's four people. There's four people in the goddamn play, and she 
was incredible. God, I love her. She was, yeah. I don't do die. Too. Yeah, please don't. Yeah, Jesus Christ. I don't mean to. I don't. We don't want to curse you here on the AltaCast. Don't die. Don't die. Uh, W.P. Kinsella, whose book inspired Field of Dreams, children's author Anna Dudney, George Curry, champion of black press, PBS's John McLaughlin. Of the McLaughlin group. Yeah, the other. Get your mind. What did you say? You're wrong. Wrong. <laughs> Judy Styles. Get your mind. You're just reminding me of my childhood with the McLaughlin Howard and yeah. you doing that. That's on unpo- Spot on. Spot on. <laughs> You're wrong. We're at the AltaCast. John McLaughlin is dead. We'll never remember him again. Get your mind. Get your mind. Easy ESPN's John Saunders. Aww. Elsie Weissel, Holocaust survivor and Nobel laureate. CNN's Will King. Morley Safer, 60 Minutes legend. Oh, Jim Harrison, like author of Legends of the Fall. Ray Tomlinson, creator of email. Creator of email. Of email. Thank you, Ray wow. Tomlinson. Holy fuck. I don't even know who you are, but you're dead you and you're awesome. You created email. That, you revolutionized the world. Damn. Pat Conroy, author of Prince of Tides and the Great Santini. Oh, the great Santini is great. Umberto, Umberto Eco, famed author of The Name of the Rose. Harper Lee, To Kill a Mockingbird oh, author. She Super was 89 sad. years old. Yeah, Marvin Minsky, p- pioneer of artificial intelligence. This is chef's sport design art and business figures. Muhammad Ali. He's yeah. Uh, Craig Sager, colorful Turner sports reporter. Paul Ulfstrom, sailing great. Former Heisman Trophy winner, Rashawn Salam. Dylan Reader, pro skateboarder and model. Ooh, Bummer on that yeah. one. Golfing great honor to Palmer. <laughs> Palmer. Miami Marlins pitcher Jose Fernandez, former FIFA president Howell Havelon. Can we go back but to. Screw him. Yeah, FIFA. But can, let's go to the FIFA dude. You deserve to die. Yeah. I'm FIFA, sorry. yeah. It's corrupt. It's totally just, awful and yeah. corrupt. Absolutely. Uh, formal NFL head coach Dennis Green, Pat Summit, legendary women's basketball coach, fashion photographer Bill Cunningham. I loved you, Bill Cunningham. What There's is a he? great documentary on him on Netflix. Oh, yeah, he up. did. Um, he uh, basically was just a photographer in New York, and he. It, it's just just watch the documentary. Sweet. It's fucking good. Uh, hockey legend Gordy Howe. Oh, oh wow. No. MMA fighter Kimbo Slice. Tragic boxing. It's, I didn't think that was a real... I've heard people call people Kimbo Slice, and yeah. I didn't know that was a real person. Yeah. Muhammad Ali. Okay, moment of silence. Mm. Mm. And by the way, he's not just a sports figure. He oh, is yeah. a... Political figure. Uh, yeah, he's an agent for change. A huge, you know... He did not go... He did not take that draft. He did not go quietly into that good night. Nope. Comic book artist Darwin Cook. Architect Zaza Hadid. NFL Ravens Trey Walker. Robert Redbird, iconic Native American artist. American oh. gladiator Lee Rareman, the Hawk. Oh. BMX, let two of them, China and the Hawk. BMX legend Dave Mira. World's top chef Benoit Volier. Bill Johnson, former Olympic gold medal skier. Iron Mike Shark, WWE superstar. Monte Irvin, baseball Hall of Fame outfielder. Lawrence Phillips, imprisoned. Ex NFL rusher. Why did you have to say imprisoned? 
Why'd you have to do that? And That's ugly. Andrew Smith, yeah, couldn't you just say that he was an ex NFL person? What does the imprisonment That's have to do? He was in jail when he died. Respect you guys. Death. Yeah, Damn. jerk, nasty. Uh, and Andrew Smith, former Butler basketball player. Okay. I don't know what a Butler basketball player is, oh, but those Butler University. Oh, so he was just a college guy. So those are all the dead people in 2016. Wow, that took a that took us oh, a wait, long time. Oh wait, wait. How come in music they didn't say Fife from Tribe Called Quest? Well, Fife Dog, yo. Wow. How are they not gonna put Fife Dog from Tribe? Wow. Tribe. Well, they have rapper Shouty Low. That is who the. F- I don't know who it is. Fife. Do- God damn you. They did it. Are you sure that it wasn't 2015? Oh no, Fife died this year. Let's back look it up. in April. F I F E. Tribe Call Quest. Tribe. I need a bottle opener. <laughs> uh, there's uh, out there should be one on the um, wine bottle opener out there or around the, the corner. Tribe Call Quest Fife Dog dead at 45. They are dicks. You're absolutely right. They didn't include him. They doubt it. Do not include him. Uh, this this uh, article came out March 23rd. Malik Taylor, the rapper known as Fife Dog, whose nimble, clever rhymes helped launch a tribe called Quest to both commercial and critical success, died Tuesday at the age of 45 from complications resulting from diabetes. Rolling Stone has confirmed the rapper's death. Taylor had health issues for years, undergoing kidney transplant in 2008 to deal with the long-time battle with diabetes. It's really a sickness, Taylor said in Beats, Rhymes, and Life. Michael Rappaport's candid 2011 documentary on the group, like straight-up drugs. I'm just addicted to sugar. Malik was our loving husband, father, brother, and friend, his family said in the statement. We love him dearly. How he impacted all our lives will never be forgotten. His love for music and sports was only surpassed by his love for God and family. And by the way, the new Tribe album, which I have, that's their first album since 1998, is really fucking dope. Yeah, Taylor appeared on all five of the group's studio albums, most notably 1991's The Low End Theory and 93's Midnight Marauders, acting as the high-pitched, gruff vocal counterpoint to Q-Tip's smooth, mellow flow. The group broke up and reunited multiple times since the release of their last album, 1998's The Love Movement. As documented in Beats, Rhymes, and Life, the group would sporadically reunite for live shows, but stopped short at recording new material. Health problems deterred Taylor from recording much solo material, though the rapper released his only solo album, album, Ventilation.LP, in 2000. Speaking to Rolling Stone last November, Taylor was tentatively optimistic about both his health and future recording plans. I'm in a good spot, but I have my good days and I have my bad days, he said at one time. But I'm more or less in a good spot, so I can't really complain. In the same interview, Taylor revealed plans to release the Jay Dilla-produced Nutshell, the first single off the planned LP titled Give Thanks. The rapper released a video preview of the song, though full version is yet to be released. Prior to his death, Taylor had also been at work on Muddy Morphosis, his new LP that would have functioned as basically my life story that he hoped to release later that Five. year. Uh, we can listen to his song. Rest in peace. Oh no, it's only it's only 16 seconds. It's it's a it's a teaser here. Yeah. <coughs> here we go. I'm sorry, I coughed in the mic.
Um, the undefeated, unblemished, underrated, unfiltered, unafraid, unaffected, undaunted, unabashed, the undeniable, untouchable, unstoppable, unusual, underdog, unsurpassed, unyielding, unsupportive. Fuck you. Well, there um, we go. The undefeated. Sorry about That's that. That's about to be another tragic death of two. Well, so yeah, but so there we go. He died, and they didn't. They didn't say anything about it. Those jerky jerk faces. Rap pioneer, yo. You know what else we have to put in as the death of uh, 2016? What's that? Our democracy. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see what the let's see what we'll see what what Google says about. Uh, we'll say death. Uh, and you know what this means, Pam? Yeah. Our relationship is going on our third year too. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Look, death of democracy, death of democratic party <laughs> comes right up. Death of democracy in America. I didn't even finish writing it and it already popped up on Google. This is this is a common thing right now. People are uh, in cheering Trump, Republicans cheered the death of American Let's see which one of these what's going on? Democracy. Uh, Donald Trump, Peter Thiel, and the Death of Democracy. That's July 21st, July 22nd. Death of Democracy in America. That's a book by Klaus Ganner. Uh, the Death of Democracy in America, The Economist. It's, uh, this is it's just, crazy. It's just, it's just all of them. Are witnessing <laughs> the death of representative democracy? All men. <laughs> The day American democracy died was January 21st, 2010, according to the Huffington Post. <laughs> End of democracy in America, City Journal. Uh, talking about Alex, Alexis de Tocqueville was more prophetic observer of American democracy than even his most ardent admirers appreciate. Uh, so let's, let's see uh, what's going on here. Um... True readers have seen clearly what makes his account of American exceptionalism so luminously accurate, and they have grasped the profundity of his critique of American democracy's shortcomings. What they have missed is his startling clairvoyance about how democracy in America could evolve into what he called democratic de despotism. Like, we just elected a despot. That transformation has been in process for decades now, and reversing it is the principal political challenge of our own moment in history. It is implicitly and should be explicitly at the center of our upcoming presidential election. And look what happened, right? Uh -huh. Readers don't fully credit to Tocqueville with being the seer he was for the same reason that although volume one of Democracy in America set cash registers jingling as merrily as Santa's sleigh bells at its 1835 publication, volume two, five years later, met a much cooler reception. The falloff, I think, stems from the author's failure to make plain a key step in his argument between the two tomes, an omission he righted two decades later with the publication of The Old Regime and the French Revolution in 1856. Reading the two books together makes to Tocqueville's argument and its urgent timeliness snap into focus with the clarity of revelation. I'm telling you, I'm reading this Marx stuff right now. I should bring this in. It is, I mean, Some point. it was, it was at the, he's talking about the beginning of democracy. I mean, he's, he doesn't talk about democracy as much as he does class struggle, but democracy in capital, he talks about how evil, the evils of capitalism and capitalism, they've tied it somehow to democracy. And that's what's the funny thing about it is, 
It's mostly for the wealthy, though, because those are the ones that have the capital. Well, right. It's, well, that's what curates the class system is the, is the, the capital. It's, I mean, that owning the land, no one should own land. There shouldn't be any private property. I want a portion. I want my mule, man. <laughs> I want a lot. Uh, what's missing in volume two of Democracy is concrete illustrative detail. Volume one mines nine months of indefatigable travel that began in May 1831 in Newport, Rhode Island. An array of houses no bigger than chicken coops when the aristocratic French lawyer was still two months shy of his 26th birthday. To Tocqueville's epic journey extended from New York City through the virgin forests of Michigan to Lake Superior from Montreal through New England, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee by coach, steamboat, and even on foot through snow-choked woods until he and his traveling companion, Gustave de Beaumont, boarded a steamer for New Orleans. From there, they crossed the Carolinas into Virginia, visited Washington, and returned to New York to embark for home with a trunk full of notes and American histories. To Tocqueville had watched both houses of Congress in action and interviewed 200 odd people had watched both houses of congress in a- oh i already said it. had already commented <laughs> 200 odd people ranging from president andrew jackson ex-president quincy adams secretary of state edward livingston senator daniel webster supreme court justice john mclean and future chief justice salmon chase to sam houston a band of choctaw indians and the last of the Iroquois. they begged for alms the only time the old regime, or only by the time the old regime came out, though, three years before Tocqueville's untimely death from tuberculosis at 53 in 1859, he had amassed the wealth of practical political experience needed to flesh out the argument for democracy in America's second volume. Mm-hmm. After three terms in the Chamber of Deputies during Louis Philippe's bourgeois monarchy, he had served the Constituent Assembly following the 1848 revolution, helping to write the Second Republic's constitution and serving as foreign minister until. President Louis Napoleon made himself emperor. He had researched the old regime by reading mountains of official reports and correspondence from the 1750s onwards in the archives, chiefly on Tours and Paris. On Paris. And all this allowed him to document what had been inspired, but most mostly theoretical speculation of volume two of Democracy in America. Tocqueville didn't go to America out of blind democratic enthusiasm. It's very difficult to decide whether democracy governs better or aristocracy, he mused. See, now here's the question of this. The presidency has become an aristocracy. Oh, yes. We've basically been creating, we've been, we've done, we've negated democracy at this point and we've moved into an aristocracy. It's almost like, it's not a dictatorship. Because it's we not. still have, but I think that the, our House of Representatives, you have to have so much money to be a senator or to be a representative that our House of, our House of, you know, House of Commons, whatever, House of Representatives <laughs> or Congress, right? You have to be rich to be in Congress. So we have an aristocracy. We've we built, in, our politicians are aristocracy. We've made them that way because it's impossible to run for office to serve the people unless you own the people, right. which is why you'd want to be in office. I mean... The only way to run for a government office, you have to have tons of money. It's um, tons. I, I, what I'm trying to remember, uh, what uh, the bill that came to the Supreme Court back in 2009 that gave uh, money as uh, oh, corporations could be people. Yeah, or yeah, it was uh, money is a form of free speech. I'm looking for that right now, and that was under Scalia. God, oh my God! Yeah. Uh, by the way. Burn in hell. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm, so I'm looking glad. that up right now. Oh, good, good, good. That um, makes sense because you can't be a person of the people and run unless yeah. you have money. Right. 
So we've, I mean, and so we've basically turned into, uh, we've turned it into a aristocracy. Uh, blah, 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 where, okay. He mused, uh, but the question is merely academic because anyone who pays attention to the swiftly shifting French affairs from the revolution, the directory and Napoleon to the restoration and the constitutional monarchy of 1830 can't deny that sooner or later we will come as the Americans have come to an almost complete equality of conditions. In that case, would it not then become necessary to consider the gradual development of democratic institutions and mores so as the best way to be free, but as the only way left to us? Ooh, that's a hard thing to say. Would it not then become necessary to consider the gradual development of democratic institution and mores, not as the best way to be free, but as the only way left to us? Ah. So we went to America in search of lessons from which we might profit negative lessons as well as positive ones and just after the publication of volume one of democracy in america he casts his own lot with them with democracy marrying to his family's horror a beautiful middle-class english protestant mary motley whom he considered the only person in the world who knows the bottom of my soul but who never shed her middle-class outrage at the least deviation on my part he complained after all who can stop his blood boiling at the sight of a woman and already at 17, he had fathered a child whose fate is unknown with a servant girl. Still, he at least remained faithful to democracy <laughs> when he inherited the title Comte de Tocqueville in 1836. He never used it. He never used his, uh, whatever. Oh, it's, uh, by the America. way, I found it. It's Citizens United, excuse me. Citizens United. My bad. That's what it was. What did they do? Uh, Citizens United is the uh, Supreme Court uh, oh. amendment, not amendment, excuse me. Uh, it went to the Supreme Court of having corporations as um, lenders to politicians oh. and what have you, as money as speech. Right. That's what that we're, yeah. sucks. Co coinciding to what Pam is reading about democracy and how yeah, aristocratic, not aristocratic, <laughs> um, Basically, you have to have money in order to run for any kind of government position. Yeah. Well, I we have to. It, this is really, really long, and it's. I want to get to the thing where he talks about the death of democracy. Uh, we'll see if this is an interesting one. So while democracy often gives rise to a manly and legitimate passion for a quality that spurs all men to wish to be strong and esteemed, it can also lead weak men to want to be strong down, to bring the strong down to their level, but with such base fervor as ultimately to defeat the democracy's purpose by preferring equality in servitude to inequality in freedom. Huh. I, that's terrible because see, that's exactly what's happening is some people are like, oh, well, I, I, I'm exactly strong in a stream because I'm better than them or That's whatever. That's exactly what's happening. But they, those people want to bring us down, bring the great down. To, what? Everybody, if everybody could strive. I don't under, and by the way, uh, I don't think I mentioned this, uh, but uh, about a couple weeks ago, Bill O'Reilly was talking about um, how how the left is trying to take you know, the white man down. He literally said that oh my God. on his show. And so it's, I mean, and it coincides obviously oh, to what we're talking we're about right now. We're trying to bring right the now. white man down. They so, came over and took the land this from is, the people. This and is the death of 2016. Well, <laughs> <This is laughs> you know, it, it took us a long time. And the death of feminism, actually, for yeah, this year. Yeah, yeah. 
the rule of thumb we need to go used to be a rule where you could beat your wife with a stick no bigger than your thumb. Okay, and that was like a law. Okay, the rule of she thumb. Why do they go, oh, well, you know, it's a rule of thumb. And that was Under it. Under my thumb. You can beat, I think it was your child, too. And, can, uh, and, and that's the thing. Like, <laughs> we, that basically, it, you know, the sad thing is, it's just like, oh, wait, she's looking, she's looking for it. Oh, yeah. Well, rule, rule, of, rule, of, rule thumb. of thumb, what they say now is, well, you know, it's, it's uh, an estimation made according to a rough and ready practical rule, not based on science or exact measurement. Right. So the rule of thumb has been said to derive from the belief that English law allowed a man to beat his wife with a stick so long it was then it was no thicker than his thumb. In 1782, Judge Sir Francis Bueller is reported as having made this legal ruling. In the following year, James Gilray published a satirical cartoon attacking Bueller and caricaturing him as a judge thumb. The cartoon shows a man beating a fleeing woman and Bueller carrying two bundles of sticks. This co- now we're rolling into the death of feminism, right? In which I yeah, and, absolutely and so, death of democracy, death of feminism. So now, I mean, of course, it's illegal to beat people up or what have you, which people still beat their wives and women up. But now it's beating up psychologically and economically. Yeah, and well, and ooh, the poor white man. I was burning in first base. And they said, well, we are so great, and you want to bring us down so that you're... Well, when you're born on third base, you entitled fuck, you didn't do anything for your parents to be rich. You were born into it. Oh, you get to wash your hair with shampoo every day. Wow. Well, not everybody was born on third base. And all of a sudden, you know, like... Look at Trump's kids. Like, the new aristocracy. When you have so much, they're... If you get a dollar, what's the old, the, it's this great thing that um, Bill Morgan says on Labor and Love on Saturdays from 10 to noon. He says, if you got a dollar, if somebody, if uh, if you get a dollar for free, you, you're getting a dollar that someone else worked for. And if someone else is working for a dollar, they didn't earn, you know, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah. I mean, not. And, and the thing is, and this is also death of the strong white women, because the majority of white women in this country uh, voted for this fuckface. Um, so that's the death of you guys as well. <laughs> Smart white women did not. Wow, this is crazy. Yeah. I put in death of strong, and this is what Google set thinks I want. Death of strong black woman. Oh, death of strong man. Oh death of a strong woman. Death of a strong black woman poem. Death of the strong wicked man. This is what wow. comes up. This is I put in a de- I put in death of strong, and I was gonna put in death of strong white woman, but that did not come up. But what did come up? Death all of that, strong uh, black. Wo- can you? Is that? We're not dead. We're still here. Okay. The, so this is in. Wow. Images for strong white woman that exists. Uh, it thought uh, images for death of strong white woman. It thinks I want images. Because uh, that's all y'all get. So you can't is, talk. You're you're back to where you started. You can't talk. You just sit there and be pretty. This is uh, the truth behind the truth behind the strong black woman stereotype. Where this is, we're gonna check this out. What is this year? Is this from November 2014? 
This is in the middle, and there's a picture of Michelle Obama. Okay, this is interesting. Okay, let's let's. <laughs> the death of the, the oh, the truth behind the strong black woman stereotype. But okay, this I should better be positive. This better be positive. Well, we're showing Michelle Obama, and I love her, and I am very sad that she's leaving the White House. Oh, by the way, I am so so sad. Did you read about the dude in New York? He was a Trump supporter, but he also is a. I think he's a representative that called her an ape, and that she should be killed. Who? Blah blah blah. Oh. Said about Michelle, about my girl Michelle. Oh, oh, honey, oh, honey. Michelle is the most beloved woman let me, in let me all tell everyone's hearts. Let me tell Everyone you, loves, we all love the Obamas forever. Their children, they stood for everything awesome. They in this have country. been so brutalized. They, been, they are the most. I mean, she is the most amazing woman. I love what she did with the kids against the diabetes and the working out. She was great on the Disney Channel shows. I saw her on. Saw her on. Oh, when she was lip syncing with that guy in the car, she is so likable. And God, I respect smart, her so much. Intelligent. Smart, intelligent, writes, great, has great, is incredible in front of people. Has great, charismatic. But I believe her. I want her to run for president. She says she's Michelle not going Obama to. For she president. is not oh, going to run. But she would um, be. She would be. And I even amazing. hear conservatives using her when we go high. Or when uh, when they go low, we go high. I hear conservatives using that shit now. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, you from taking, the from the mouth. You're of taking a love her riffs from uh, Michelle Obama. Okay, so this is what this fuckface said about Michelle Obama recently. Um, let's see. This oh, is this, very is a, this is oh, uh, this is a new one. Arkansas teacher accused of calling Michelle Michelle Obama first chimp. What? Uh, that's that's the recent one. Um, it's, it's just bl- like blatant, ridiculous racism. Just like gross. Okay, like, so uh, okay, so this fuckface, um, official who called Michelle Obama ape in heels won't keep job at all. Oh wait, this is another one. God damn it, this is not the same one. See, this is what I don't like: the fact of like I put in Michelle Obama, and this is what you yeah, get. Yeah, well, well, and that's the thing is. Why is Google, Google decides weird things are important. Um, I guess, let, go ahead and read it. Let's, let's Yes, the truth it, behind the strong black woman stereotype. There's a bad side to the perceived uncommon strength of black women. This is from Bitch Magazine. I love that magazine. We are the fighters. We are the women who don't take shit from no man. We are the women with the sharp tongues and hands firmly on hips. We are the ride or die women. We are the women who have, like Sojourner Truth, plowed and planted and gathered into barns and no man could head us. We are the sassy chicks. We are the mothers who make way a way out of no way. On TV, we are the no-nonsense police chiefs and judges. We are the first ladies with the impressive guns. Strong black woman. The words fit together like blue oil sizzling hot combs and Saturday afternoon. They embody the idea of African-American women as perpetually tough and uniquely indestructible. There's also a dirty side to the perceived uncommon strength of black women. Ultimately, the strong black woman stereotype is an albatross at odds with the African-American woman's very survival. Because according to pop culture and the media, we're also the workhorses. We are the castrating harpies. 
We are the brawling world star hood rats. We are the cold, overeducated, work obsessed sisters who will never marry. Mm-hmm. We are the indefatigable mamas who don't need no help. We are the women and girls who are unrapeable, who no one needs to worry about when we go missing. We are the scary boogie women on America's doorstep in the middle of the night, and we are angry, always angry. For many women, there is undeniable truth, liberation, and empowerment to be found in the strong black woman meme. Marginalized people have to be strong to survive, says Heidi R. Lewis, assistant professor of feminist and gender studies at Colorado College and associate editor at The Feminist Wire. There are times when I assume that black woman resilience, the kind that allows you to face racism and sexism and heterosexism on a daily basis and still maintain your sanity and health. I love that part of the strength that black women have had to have. That strength is real. Educator and social justice advocate Deborah Latham White remembers embracing the idea of a black female strength as a teen at the dawn of the black power movement. Black women were disrupting American beauty culture. We were starting to wear our hair natural as a political statement of acceptance and self-love. But the currency of cultural strength wasn't just halos of kinky hair and Afro-chic sartorial tastes. We were also throwing up our fists in sign of solidarity with the black power movement, as well as being actively engaged in the struggle, says Latham White. Who would not want to be Angela Davis, Fannie Lou Hamer, Ruby D, Audre Lorde, Shirley Chisholm. Shirley Chisholm. Shirley Chisholm. Today, loving profiles of another public figure, Michelle Obama, our nation's first black first lady, often focus on her personal and professional strength, particularly her exceptional education and career achievements, her egalitarian marriage, and her athleticism. An online search for Michelle Obama and Strong reveals a host of images with America's first lady flexing her impressive toned biceps. Michelle Obama is no Mammy Eisenhower. This F-L-O-T-U-S Flotus is positioned as a strong black woman both literally and figuratively making her not just a modern role model and icon to other black women and girls but to other Americans as well but in a society that finds little to praise in black women other groups appreciation for perceived black female strength can feel like a reductive appreciation strength becomes one of the few positive adjectives black women can own I spend a lot of time around gay men, and I think I hear the phrase strong black woman or see it being performed most in their company, said Aaron Millender, an attorney living in New York City. These are moments when it bothers me, the appropriation of stereotypical gestures and phrases, but most of the time it fills me with a kind of pride in seeking an ideal of femininity. These men turn so much to black women to model dignity, resilience, and boldness. Black women also look to strong female figures for motivation. We evoke the historical strength of our foremothers to tell each other you can do it. College administrator Adrienne Trailer said she is moved by the strength of her late grandmother, a devoutly religious rural Texan who farmed alongside her husband while working other jobs and raising nine children. She left school after the eighth grade, but seven of her children went on to receive college degrees. Her example transferred a desire for aspiration and achievement to succeeding generations. She is the embodiment of what's best of what a strong black woman can mean. Latham White says she uses the phrase, 
in my personal sister circle as a compliment or yeah encourage uh, and also as a form of chiding each other when our weaknesses were hindering or obvious but she boxed up the sense of being narrowly defined and contained I do not allow people to lay it on me these days even though I realize that strength is a motivating force I am unwilling to be a mule for the nation Latham White is surely not wrong to worry about being cast as a beast of burden. Alleged superhuman resilience has long pushed black women into that role. In Zora Neale Hurston's Their Eyes Were Watching God, Nanny imparts, the nigga woman is the mule of the world so far as I can see. And for centuries, the notion of a black female strength, and that's how it was written, by the way. Oh, yeah, no, that's, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I know. People I, I've read like, the book. I'm, yeah. Yeah. And she's, actually, she read it on point. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and for centuries, the notion of black female strength has been used to challenge our humanity and femininity when antebellum middle-class white women were angels of the house beautiful pious chaste and delicate black women were thought to be the beasts in the fields who did not need their bodies sensibilities and virtue protected while the 19th century slavery based american economy depended on this distinction the bestial view remained long after the black bondage passed away because they're yep. women <laughs> they're yep. just because they were literally owned yeah and then but yep. then you own your sexuality too that's so awful how many people must have gotten raped i mean just it's just so horrific to conceptualize that so many women grew up in that time period and, and you know you're born who knows where your soul comes from and it comes into a body and if i would have been in that i mean to be I'm, to have your sexuality not honored at all being and, and I've, I've never been raped or sexually assaulted thank god knock on wood i because i will chop a dick off um <laughs> strong black woman yeah i'm one of those and the thing the fact that matter is just like you know i feminism is not it, it's it's a little bit deeper than you know women working together first of all white women who are from the upper class need to realize that there is another lower class of women who are or facing a different type of um, hate and a different style of feminism um, and there's different levels of feminism that we as women need to start having a conversation about absolutely you know because we're all treated indifferent but there's indifference in each community of women and, yeah. and, and also it goes to class as well yeah and unless so, you're transgendered woman then you're they oh see I feel and that's terrible thing. and them. now and now and that has oh. to coincide into the conversation as well Absol- which well, we have because, not because they've turned into women which makes them even less of course men hate them even more men hate women I, I and this is I wonder if it literally goes back to because we make the babies and they know that if they let us it's the power know, if they let us know how important we are men know that women are very smart and we give life and we give birth and we give all this but and they know bigger. we can and exactly and I've, I've always felt that way about men and that's why I've, I've, I've beaten a man before I don't fight women I will fight a man but I think, <laughs> I think that a man that wants to beat up a woman has weird mommy issues because his yes, mom didn't absolutely. tell him she loved him enough or something but can't we do something to make sure everyone has enough love so that we don't have to hate women anymore but here's the thing the, the scary thing is this is again coinciding to the death of 2016 yeah. and the new the new era of the white straight male. It seems like with the death of feminism, we are not going to be able to have that conversation 
with each other about mm-hmm. because now we we're back into like well this is what my husband believes and so I'm going to stand right by and it's just like no you have a voice you had one before we're going to see what happens with the abortion thing this is what's going to be honestly if again it, if the yeah, the abortion thing comes back and they appoint the supreme court judges and he says he was going to appoint appoint supreme court judges that were conservative and if you take away now it doesn't affect me directly now anymore because I have an IUD. But. But. And thank God I'm in a loving relationship with a man who I think is the most incredible human on earth. And we're neither of us have any STDs. We can't get any because we're completely monogamous. And but and so Unless we know. Unless he sits on a toilet seat. Yeah, <laughs> I, right. But we, we're totally. It's great. So I have an IUD and that's great. But the thing is like if I would have had an IUD before this stable relationship I might have syphilis yeah. do you know what I mean like Absolutely. if I because I would have been like ah yeah condoms whatever I won't get pregnant because I'd have the IUD but I would have been so unsafe and and and, and that's the thing it's just like you know it's <laughs> I don't understand again with this war on our bodies and again now this coincides with all of feminism and mm. this it doesn't matter if you're black white latino or asian at this point where you have your laws on my body mm. to tell me that i must have this child mm-hmm. no mm. no i don't because i can't afford this child and i can't love this child and i will hate this child and, and it's not fair psychologically it's not fair it's it's to moralize to put someone else's my morals say i don't want to be a bad mom if Thank I you. was going to be a mom, Amen. that's that's what my good morals are about. Is I would want to raise a child. Yes. I didn't have a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't have a baby with my ex-husband, and I'm so glad. And the whole thing is I didn't want to have one. And I told him, I said, I don't want to have a baby until after I've gone to graduate school. Because I don't want to have a baby and then not go to graduate school. And then always say, as this kid's grown up, hey, mommy really loves you, but if she wouldn't have had you, she could have been something. You know, now I've gone to graduate school and I'm, school and I'm still a failure, but thank God I don't have a kid to put all that on. Right, And absolutely. then if I if I had a kid right now, if I would have had a kid and I'll, and I mean, oh God. I can't have a kid so right expensive. now. I'm drinking beer and wine we and are, smoking weed right now. And we are, and those <laughs> pod drinks are delicious. No, because we're responsible adults. And there's a, there's a different model, I think, out there for people and you don't have to be put into a box as I love this new minimalist movement thank you Netflix for shaping my thoughts but and it was they were a little pretentious but I'm kind of a minimalist not as much as they are but almost and it's when you have I mean these are people that everything they live can fit into two bags because they have like the girls were like 33 pieces it's it's called project 333 and you're supposed to have 33 pieces of clothing including your shoes and that's all you wear for three months and you see that like you just you put things together and people didn't even notice these people at work that they'd been wearing the same 33 pieces but it's just like minimizing fast fashion's really bad and but you recycle things. I think your sweater looks like that you got it in like 1990 or something. Dude, it's so I've awesome. I've this skirt since like 2008. Yeah. I don't, but I don't That's a vintage sweater. That's like yeah. a vintage it, 90s old. sweater. It Thank you. Old. Yeah, it's like yeah. from Express <laughs> yeah. in 92 Express, or something. Yes. <laughs> some shit. I, I still have my Chucks from 1992. Yeah. And I still fit. I, I and still my have, Doc Martens. I have Doc Martens from 88, but they have what? holes now. I know. You're tough. They have holes in the f- top See, now. It's Women talking fashion. Mm. See, death of feminism. Mm. 
So this is okay. This is a total non sequitur. But every time I'm on the bus and I hear a girl talking to a guy about fashion or something vapid, not that what we're talking about is vapid. We're connecting with one another and oh, it's no, wonderful. We're connecting. But she, she's talking to it might be her boyfriend, and I just want to scream at her. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. Thank you. He, why are you talking to him? Is he gay? He doesn't care. Your boyfriend doesn't care about what you're talking about. He doesn't care. Why do you? What do you think they care? No, you think they, men you don't have care. A, they, but that's the thing is, would why would you? I would never talk about that with okay, my boyfriend. See, see, now here's the thing. See, this is what I have the issue with because I see like how young people, not young people, my, people my, our age group as well, and even older, don't know how to. Men and women are two different species. I'm saying species because, yeah. yeah, because we don't think the same way. We don't walk the same way unless you want to walk this way. Um, but I don't think it goes down to men and women. I'm going to say gender. I'm going to say gender, gender okay. identified masculine. Okay. Gender we'll, identified we'll feminine. We'll get PC here. Yeah. <laughs> you, well. You bro- you, yeah, you're breaking it down to a PC level. And yes, Because right. some of the most effeminate people I know are dudes. Yeah, because a lot of them act I like mean, bitches. I mean, Jesus, you better work. I don't know if you... I mean, he is... I mean, his choreography is perfection. And he is... He embodies so many, like, feminine qualities that I would, like, wish I could sort of... He just, He's just sort of I, does this... I don't know. Anyways, I and I mean it in the into. best way. I think, honestly, like... I think feminism will rise again with the fact of the matter of like with, you know, the gender, it won't even be feminism anymore. It'll just be gender, genderism. Genderism, yeah. Yeah, honestly, I can see that happening in the next 10, 15 years. What's wrong with being a girl? What's, why do we say, oh, you're being a girl? Why does flowery, fun, beautiful things, why does that have to be bad or somehow not as good as rough, cool things, I don't like extreme? That. Like, why can't we just value like why can't you just take your time and do it right and just hit each part and be slow and gentle and then fuck really hard (laughs) (laughs) i mean i'm thinking more like when you get your kids well when you get your kids um like when i was a little kid or when you're in um, preschool and you have your little pretend kitchen and they're pink when they're girls and then when boys started getting in they're blue yeah but so there's like a neutral one now that works for everyone like why do we specifically like gender toys but i think it's gotten better over the years honestly i think it has but again we're in a new america kkk uh (laughs) and you know the fact of the matter is like you have a whole generation that's looking at this and seeing as this machismo not feminism um as being like i must be manly and i must bash things and like tell and be hateful and mean well and this toy i need a gi joe not a fucking barbie well uh, the all of america these, these kill games these i i really video games are really destructive they pull you out i mean i, I don't know I, always I guess maybe been. books are destructive too like i love to read i can read for seven hours and i guess people can they can play a video game for seven hours but i'm like and maybe that makes me a terrible person because I'm looking down on people that play no. video games for seven hours. But I'm like, go out, do something. But then I'm like, well, I sit and read for seven hours. You're but using how does- your mind and your imagination. Well, As but- though, but video games also... Now, yeah. I'm not saying video games are... I'm saying like they can also... Video games help enhance of 
like you know kind of siding of like you know right for when if you want to be a drone operator and kill people in <laughs> Afghanistan you know what they are the best video Actually, games practicing video <laughs> games you can have a future I'm not saying for seven strikes. hours though you, as a child you need to get your ass out and play yeah um, I mean but, just like Michelle Obama said yeah. oh and speaking of Michelle Obama I found that hateful thing Carl, Carl Padino who is some Dago from New York yeah I said it Dago um, he's the New York chair or co-chair of Donald Trump's presidential campaign he said <clears throat> days after Buffalo real estate developer Carl Padino I'm saying that publicly wished death upon President Barack Obama what? and suggested that's, first that's lady. That's a felony. Yeah, you would think. It, it is. I. Yeah. It's threatening the it president's president, life. Yeah. This is, I'll look it up. I'll it is. It. it is. And suggested first lady Michelle Obama was actually a man who should be living with gorillas in Africa. He's what? A, he's apologizing, sort of. This is what he said. He meant to meant this to come up in emails. I never intended to hurt the minority community who I spent years trying to help. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Um, out of the cycle of poverty in our inner cities. Fuck you, Dago. Listen, uh, it's 18 U.S. Code 871. Threatening the President of the United States is a Class E felony under the United States Code Title 18, Section 871. It consists of knowingly and willfully mailing or otherwise making any threat to take the life of, to kidnap, or to inflict bodily harm upon the President of the United States. Now listen to what he said. This is okay. what he said. Obama... I hope Obama catches mad cow disease after being caught having relations with a Hereford. He wrote, uh, Hef- Hereford, Hefer? Hefer, yeah, Hefford. He, uh, he dies before his trial and is buried in a cow pasture next to Valerie Jarrett, who, you know who Valerie Jarrett is. I believe she's, uh, she's in the cabinet as well. Oh, another sister who died weeks prior after being convicted of uh, sedation and treason and when a jihadi cellmate mistook her for being a nice person and uh, decap and then decapitated her by the way Valerie Jarrett is a uh, a black senior advisor to Obama by the way she's not dead Um, and then he wrote Michelle Obama I like her to return to being a male and let loose out in the outback of Zimbabwe where she lives comfortably in a cave with Maxie the gorilla. He's just being inflammatory. He thinks this is cute, like, because you, I guess, okay, so that's the thing is that he didn't really threaten. I want really to kill threaten, white people. But that's, <laughs> that's the thing is that I looked this up. You can't say you're going to kill Donald Trump, but you can write him letters and tell him to kill himself. I want him, I want to pee on him. Can I say that? Sure. Sure. I'm yeah, gonna, I'm, I want to piss on. I want to. I want to piss. Want to piss on, on you. you. Pee on you. Yeah. Okay. So this is. I found this. This is interesting. Is threatening to kill a presidential candidate on social media a crime in the USA? Facebook comments about Donald Trump could it mean is. deportation yeah. for an Egyptian student. These are answers from Jennifer Ellis, a lawyer in PA uh, in Pennsylvania. She says nothing I write is legal advice. Okay. Uh, this was. The, original answer this fellow allegedly wrote the following on his Facebook wall I am willing to kill Donald Trump and serve a life sentence 
Egyptian immigrant posts that he's willing to kill Donald Trump and serve a life sentence. It backfires in a major way. That's a link to the actual thing, wow. right? Threatening to kill anyone is a crime. Threatening to kill a person who is specially protected under the law, as presidential candidates are, is taken incredibly seriously. Making the threat on social media just means you've provided the evidence to make it easy for you to get caught. Yeah. So let's take common sense look at the situation. One, we had planes flown into buildings in what was the greatest terrorist attack this nation has ever seen. Thousands died. Our entire country was changed permanently. Wrong. Well, that was sort of a, we know that was an inside job because we're woke. (laughs) Two, as we know all of this is bullshit, but it is against a real law. It is, but we know that those were holograms that it didn't exist and that what was up with building seven? Why were they destroying all those papers? I don't think that was the worst terrorist attack. We did it on ourselves. It was the worst think, terrorist attack because we're the terrorists. No, I don't think it was the worst. No, the slaughter of indigenous people and slavery was the worst terrorist attack. Actually, you're ex- absolutely right. So We yeah. were the terrorists that came in and we enslaved all, and we no, brought no, people. I, That's the other thing. You know, and oh, we'll get back to this in a second, but I was talking to someone. They went to a, there was a slave. They were telling me about a museum and uh, it was Jonathan's sister when we were in Newark and she went to the museum and it was huge and it was about Africa it was about African Americans and the history and all this stuff and they had like the chain they had the ship like reenactment downstairs like not reenactment but to show you how this is the thing the that, middle passage this is yeah watched. middle passage it blows my mind that everyone just pooped and peed they expected they but even if you had cows you wouldn't do this to cows you wouldn't do Dogs, this if cats. you if you were bringing animal if you were bringing horses from you know they would have treatment from you know Spain over to here. Don't treat our Spanish horses like that. Right. Yes, they put yeah. this. But this is Black people, people, and then they were all like laid foot to tail, and there's poop everywhere, and they just like sort of like throw water on them whenever they want, yeah. and then they're all chained up. They can't really eat. For three months, three months, what? And then people died. People would die next to you, toss, and they wouldn't do anything about it. Toss people the would bodies into the sea. Die, people would die next to you, and then you'd wake up the next morning and be like, and ah, you see death. Ah, you would see death. And, and you'd be you sleeping. Now you'd be trying to sleep next to it. This is why black people are very strong people. This is, because it is I'm sorry. It, it's it just it, that just trickles something into me, and like I, you know, I, I am. I am glad to be an American and I'm glad to have to be African American. No, I don't like to say African American. No, I'm African, I'm indigenous, and I'm Arabic. Yeah. I am I'm a mad motherfucker. <laughs> That's what it is. Absolutely. So I'm a terrorist, number one. Oh I'm a nigga. Careful. Yeah. You gotta be careful. Don't uh, say that yeah, the, I'm they a terrorist. Might be I'm a nigga and I'm a red man and I, I I'm I'm a excuse me, they called us savages. Right. I'm a savage. savage. Savages. Well, so, and that we still have a team called the Redskins is abhorrent. I'll show you my Redskins. I think that Braves is okay. I don't have a problem with that. Redskin? Oh. Redskin, I have a problem with. I think it's like a racist, it's a racist. And when slur. black people say like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. I'm like, fuck you, nigga. <laughs> How about we have a, but, call, have a team called the niggers? But the thing is that the end, <laughs> okay, so, and all black people could be on that team and they could all be fans because it's been taken back 
and and made its own and it's no no we can't have a team called the niggers well but there I <laughs> nope mean, nope nope ain't gonna happen because there's some not. niggas that don't understand the word so it's, because they are they are into the society of where it's they're not talked about me or like they don't know anything there's a lot of in, in a class pe- struggle yes people identify as people. a class ill-informed yeah absolutely just like the trump supporters ill-informed well that's we're dealing with education and some of them are irish niggas. people are f- afraid and they i don't think we can solve 2016 we're going into 2017 i don't know what's gonna happen y'all gonna be niggas I, i'm just gonna I let am, y'all know that i am really scared <laughs> for the class war for the upcoming class war and that's why i'm reading marxism and I'm going to try to figure this chestnut out. I'm still reading the new Jim Crow. <laughs> it's taken me three months. Well, I'm a slow reader. I'm I, one of those. I finished I finished yeah. that Stephen King project. So I'm also in 2017. I'm going to write the, the syllabus. But I'm going to reread uh, Siddhartha. Yeah, because, Herman Hess. Yeah, that, that book changed my life when thin, I was 16 yeah. uh, years old. And book. I still have the original that I read when I was 16 years old that is still from high school. And I feel like I need to reread that because it opens my eyes to how humanity and how people can be inhumane but also learning how to deal with it and just go through a journey Mm. where you have to go through these phases yeah i am so high from those edibles (laughs) i gotta tell you i only i am so high i only look the paper yeah i'm i (laughs) but i've been smoking there hey they work excited they were and you know i hey by the way i didn't tell you uh merry christmas happy oh Hanukkah, yeah happy Kwanzaa. thank you all yeah, of that yeah, yes all that fun stuff uh but 2016 this year 2016 blows. i don't I, think we did this last year we no, didn't say we did 2015 this. i don't so. know was 2015 good i i guess no we we were this it wasn't like this 2015. Oh wow, we've been doing this for some time. We've been doing this for yeah. a long time. We've been we've been alta casting for like three years. Yeah, yeah. we might as well get married. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a great relationship. Yeah, yeah. I love we, it. it always works. I out. will lick your pussy. Oh, honey, <laughs> that's so nice. No, but honestly, um, 2016 really fucking sucks. Fucking it's sucks. just. I mean, it's just. It hasn't like been it. that big. We're all alive. No, it's no. It's no like, one's got. We're not on kidney dialysis yet. That's true. Things are okay. Neither one of us got pregnant. No one, you know, no one died. No one died that we like knew. Well, no, that's not true. My friend Jeff died. That oh, was yeah. really sad. R.I.P. Jeff. Yeah, R.I.P. Jeff. That make yeah, 2016 man, fuck, kind of sucked. I mean, I'm. I can still say like, hey, nothing's wrong with me. I'm moving into. I don't have cancer yet. No cancer yet. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I guess personally going back to the question that you uh, asked earlier like yeah, to start uh, it out wait to bring it around Latoya yeah. the share of the truth <laughs> my mother I wish my mother and I's relationship would you know she needs therapy and mm. I you know I really miss her and she ain't dead but I sometimes worry and you know I wish I could you know I wish she would just shut the fuck up and understand. <laughs> There's got to be a self-help yeah, book out there for her. You know, because I believe family is very important. And, you know, your mother brings you life. But sometimes you just... Ugh! But that's actually the most tragic thing. Mm-hmm. And Prince and David Bowie. And Prince and David Bowie and George Michael. God damn it. 
I know it's rough. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna say goodbye to 2016 with George Michael's faith because we gotta have one it. Of, we gotta have it. We gotta have it. We gotta we gotta do it. And uh, we'll see you guys next year in 2017. A lot of great comedy happening here. Uh, Mutiny Radio. Just check us out. And hey, maybe well, you know I should make a 20. My 2017 goal is to double our Facebook likes. At the end of 2017, I want to have 10,000 Facebook likes for Mutiny Radio. I think that's a doable goal. I think that's a doable. It's a doable goal. And Pam, I think for 2017, I need to put more pep in my step in my life and then actually you know, do things with my life as well as you need some help and I need to help you out more. Oh, that's so no, sweet. No, honestly. Yeah, I, out here. yeah, exactly. I've been working too much 2016. That's yeah. Well, hey, you're part of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Yeah. 2017 second annual hosting the Don't Shoot <laughs> Night <laughs> with all hey, not white comedians. <laughs> don't be afraid of them. Don't, sh- don't shoot them with a camera. Don't shoot them with a gun. Just don't shoot everything's gonna be okay we're gonna blow up in 2017 like literally we're gonna we're gonna literally blow blow up up. yeah reed clark's gonna be on that show we're real excited about it he was the one with the song Song. that was amazing awesome yeah hopefully he'll reprise that for us on the Muni Radio Comedy Festival. Uh, but the other shows that are going to happen that'll be weird are uh, we'll, we'll do another show at the Eagle, a late night show uh, that all the San Francisco people will be on. It'll be a midnight show. And then I'm going to throw a big barbecue party on the 4th. And it's at a really weird, awesome park. It's the hilltop park. The 44 bus goes there. They just redid the skate park. It's amazing. They've got a fire pit. They've got all these... Um, Barbecues. I'm going to have a barbecue for everybody. And then there's also an amphitheater there. So I'm finding out right now if they have power and if I can hook into their power. And, uh... And I'd have the PA there, and we'd have a comedy show. But otherwise, it's in an amphitheater, so it sounds really great just in talking. Meet me amphitheater. Yeah, and so it'll be like this. It'll be free for everybody, and just a big barbecue and super fun. And if everyone that's just part of the festival comes, that's 50 people, so we're fine. It's gonna be a great show. Yeah. So that week, like, there's a lot of shows for everyone to be, and there's so much stage time. There's like, I mean, I'm just so excited about all of that. I can't tell you. Oh, by the way, I have to say uh, before we go, yeah, Pam, yeah, you are less stressed compared. To last year, oh, absolutely, and you look radiant when you're oh, less thanks. stressed. Yeah, well, it was the submissions last year. I remember this time. Yeah, and you were so calm and cool well, like a cucumber. My second year doing it, it's not so hard. I mean, I've got to, I've got to do. I'm trying to work out the schedule right now, which is with all the people, and that's no big deal. I'll get it by the end of this week, and then I do the tickets. But last year at this time, I'd already done the tickets, which was dumb because I didn't know who was on the shows yet, and then I had to go back in and do it a second time, which is dumb. I'm just gonna wait until I have everything and then do it the first time, and then I contact the universe people, and they're gonna give us the discount thingy, and then they're gonna help, and then I'm gonna actually like spend money I think on promo this year I think I'm gonna like get a like something in the newspaper like yes Home Slice is gonna pay some for some real promo and then like you know the get some the asses Stuart, down yeah, yeah the, the, the Stuart people the broke ass Stuart were like if you give us money we'll help you and I'm like you know what I can give them some fucking money we're gonna make this work so if I do what I did last year but then also spend some money and let people do who's their job that would be like really cool 
It's going to work out. I hope so. Um, thank you guys for listening to us. Thanks for making us one of the top 10 shows on Mutiny Radio. Thanks. Thank, that's Yay. amazing. From and the we're Alticast. on iTunes. <laughs> we're on iTunes. Keep listening. And uh, we'll bring you more weird socialist news and opinions in 2017. God bless your God soul. God bless your soul. Yeah, from the... <laughs> I really, Sheriff of Truth. Thank you so much for always doing this with me. You're a, I you're a you. gem. I love you too, I and you're you too. you're We're so intelligent, <laughs> and it is so great. Your opinions. We're getting really We're gay getting right really now. We're getting really gay. Okay, let's listen <laughs> to some George stop. Michael. Like, get the fuck <laughs> yeah. out of here. Bye. Stay tuned for some Call Me Tim with Stephen Massey. I gotta have faith. Mm.
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak ceiling. Yes. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings